So, Jay, Kirsten, I'm going to give you a list of things. Okay. And at the end of it, I want, you to, I want you to tell me what you think they all have in common. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're, I think you're going to get it wrong. Okay. I, uh, okay. Okay. Here's a list of things. It's a bit of a presumption you're making about my ability to logic things out, but I'll, I'll, I'll soldier through it. Please oh. go ahead. Okay. The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Fame. Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Okay. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And High School Musical, the first one. <laughs> oh, man, you really gave me a couple curveballs <laughs> later in there. What do you think all of these things have in common? What was the second one you said? Fame? Yes, fame. The I, 80s movie, I, fame. I've never seen that. I know nothing about it, so that's my big dark horse here. Uh, alright, uh, let me think. Uh, is it like a similar box office gross? Or perhaps just a similar number of pretty men? No, no one looks good in Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, no, no, what's his name does? Orlando, that's not Orlando Bloom at all. It's a different man. I don't know, Kirsten. What do these films have in common? These are all movies whose novelization I own and are on my bookshelf oh. right now. <laughs> Oh, you're getting me! Because, oh, because I am a collector of weird books and like, you know, like thrift store fifty cent table books that nobody wants. Yeah, I want them, <laughs> which does mean that I own a lot of no book novel, a lot of movie novelizations. What are some other ones you have, Kirsten? Uh, I have. Three of the Marmoset Chronicles book novel uh, novelizations. I've read oh, most of them, I'm but so glad. I only own three. Three too many, or is three just enough, or will your heart never be complete until you finish that collection? Uh, we just don't know, but on that note, this is the Marmoset Chronicles, a personal retrospective. I'm Kirsten. Uh, I'm Jay. And welcome to this week's show. I, How you doing, I, Jay? You know, I'm I'm pretty good. Um, I I have actually been like trying to read more lately. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. one of those things where you you spend so much time staring at screens, then one day you'd notice that, and then you're mm -hmm. like, huh? Other things can be looked at with the human eyeballs as well if you try very fair. hard. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I I've read a novelization or two. I I didn't actually know this about you that that you were a collector of novelizations. Cool. I've um, I I read a couple like. So I, I used to review video games in, in, uh -huh. in a, a former life a few years ago. And a couple times we got, uh, there was some publisher, I don't know if it was the same one publisher, I guess it was, that would send us like novelizations or comics. I think we started reviewing like a couple video game tie-in comics. Okay. And then from there we wound up getting in with that publisher. And there were two I got sent. Actually, only one was a novelization. One was a novel about, based on the Predator movies. It was not a novelization, but it was like based on them. Uh -huh. And the other one was a novelization of Batman uh, Arkham Knight, the PS4 and Xbox One game. Oh, the the comic based off that or a novelization? A novelization. Oh, okay. A full, pretty thick novel based on 2015 mm -hmm. video game, which my PlayStation 4 is branded after, Batman Arkham Knight. Um, which is not even a particularly good game. It's just like... A lot of, you know, a writer finding different ways to say, like, Batman growled to someone that he would go beat the men up, and then he did it, and it was cool and good. 
Yeah, that that's kind of my experience. How about you? I'm not so much. I don't collect specifically novelizations. I collect like weird books. So I, I like, for mm-hmm. instance, I have a um, I have a book called "The Vampire Is Just Not That Into You." Oh, yeah, you've told me about. This yeah, before, and yeah. the the whole book is mocking Twilight. It was like, it was like a cash grab that Scholastic put out, but there's like, like there's a quiz in it, like how to tell if your love interest is a vampire or emo. (laughs) Um, literally. Plot twist, they're both. Yes. Like literally like word for word. Um, Amazing. so I have, I have stuff like that. I have a, I have a, a, a book that's just different pictures of surfing throughout the, the... (laughs) 20th century. Uh, I have... Just surfing photos. Yes. I have, um... No, well, it's not even just so surfing photos. It's, like, surfing through various types of art. I found it on a free book table, and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, and just kind of picked it up. Do you, do you remember one that either you gave me or you and I found at the used book trailer snake store by yes. our college called the Rainy Day Book? Or no, I think this was in the 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 newspaper office. Yes. There was this yes. like I think it was a student chat book of some kind of like photos and poetry and weird art from some class of the 70s at the yes. school you and I both went to. Yes, I, and, I do uh, remember that. Do you know what I'm talking I have it somewhere. It's like in my apartment. I just moved, so I definitely like saw it and made the conscious decision to continue owning it. Wonderful. No, yeah. so I, 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 love, I love weird books. Um, yeah, they're and great. I, 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 uh, I also have this like little like, uh, like, 2400 run like novella from some fucking college student that's not very good but like the binding's really interesting i have a lot of weird books so and and novelizations and i have an interesting relationship because most of the time i just find them kind of pointless yeah Um, i i tend to agree uh because it's usually just kind of a beat for beat like rehash of the movie sometimes you can tell that it's just the script and they just changed the 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 format that's what that that high school musical one is is literally just the script huh uh, i would almost rather read that to be honest um i agree i actually i really like i like reading movie scripts when i can get my hands on them uh, yeah cuz um, then you can at least divine what things were the choices the director made mm-hmm. in between the script and the screen like there's and, kind of an interesting layer to that and 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 you know screenwriting is such a such an art form that's so honestly really difficult to master and understand mm-hmm. so it's really like interesting to see like a like a story told through that medium uh, yeah. And you don't really get that through novelizations. Uh, you just sort of get, like I said, just kind of. Um, you, so most of them, most of them are just pointless and mediocre. That's most you of get them. either just the plot, you get the plot, but the novelization came out before the thing, so it spoils the plot, mm-hmm. or you get like the plot but with some weird changes. Yes, and once in a most, while you'll see that. Yeah, most of the time, like the 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 plot is the same. Like they'll add little details, or they'll sure. add like like thought bubbles that you can kind of tell were just like the character motivations in the script. Yeah. So most of them are just mediocre and pointless. There are the ones that are hilariously bad. Like the 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 Batman and Robin one is pretty hilariously bad. I believe. Oh, really? An ad- an adaptation of Batman and Robin, the pinnacle film of our <laughs> era, be less than great. The, huh? the the uh, 
the movie that almost killed the Batman character, yes, it's not very good. Uh, I actually have a soft spot for that movie a little bit, knowing that it's abject trash. I've had, you know, I've had more people than you'd think kind of defend that movie to me. Yeah. Um, but it, it, the novelization is not very good, uh, and there's a lot of, like, kind of purple prose to it, and they use a lot of words where you're just like, what? Did you, did you choke on a thesaurus? Is that what you did? Like, <laughs> did you... Did, did you finally learn what a thesaurus is and you got really excited about it, bud? Um, <laughs> did you did you do this for, like, a, a high school English class where you thought you would get a really good grade if you just used as many big words as you could? Yes. And then there is the... Uh, there There's the third category, and this is kind of the smallest one, which is the, the novelizations that are actually really good and, like, add a lot to the movie... Mm -hmm. Um, I have personally not come across many of these. Yeah, Um, I I have have never found a single one. I have heard, uh, and this is all hearsay because I've never read any of these. I've heard the novelizations of Star Wars movies do that. Huh. Uh, I've heard that. that the novelizations of specifically the prequels... Uh, do a lot of work that the movies don't do, and uh, kind of rescue themselves a little bit. Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd give that credence. I have a, a, a fun tangent about another adaptation of one of the Star Wars prequels. The uh, video game for Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, came out before the film. Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Okay. And so anyone who played that game just got the movie spoiled for them. They just got the movie that has, like, the final chapter in this turning point saga of Anakin Skywalker completely spoiled for them. Anyway. I don't know if the novelization did. I hope not, but Jesus Christ. That feels so, like... So, like... Like, such a good example of, like, the what I feel, like, of, of... of the the problem with all of those movies, which is like good idea executed poorly. Yeah, honestly, I mean, even thematically, yeah, we we, yes, it's <laughs> my good short idea answer. Executed poorly, pretty uh, much. Which I think is uh, really the 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 lesson to take away from those movies. Yeah. Um, so so there are good novel movie novelizations exist. They usually the the sure. way that they become good is that they kind of let you get into these characters' heads and understand their motivation more, and you can, like, you know, hear all of the internal monologue that you didn't necessarily get to hear in the movie. Or it Mm. adds, like, some depth depth to side characters. Or it, um, you know, maybe includes a couple scenes that they cut from the movie, or stuff like that. Like, there are good novelizations. I realize yeah, what, now that we are about sure. ten minutes into this and we have not brought up the Marmoset Chronicles ones yet. Yeah, yeah, we really haven't. Okay, I actually have a question for you, because I'm not it? familiar with these novelizations at all. I have a lot more, I, I have more we can say about the role of books in external media, but on the Marmoset Chronicles novelizations, uh-huh. do they have the same author, out of curiosity? Uh, like, are all of them written by the same person? Yeah. All of them are written by the same team. Oh, It's two authors. Really? Okay. Huh. Now, oh, oh yeah, that's another question. Which, one, which ones do you have? Um, I have... I'm, like, picturing my bookshelf right now. I have Obstacle Core, and The Mountain Came to Them, 
and Logica. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I didn't huh. like set out again. I like I I never like kind of set out to find the weird books I find. I think I think I like I found these at thrift stores. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, that, that's that's what I would do too. Is like it's not something you're gonna be tracking eBay listings on, but if you mm-hmm. come across them. Yeah, like, why, why wouldn't I want to own... Why wouldn't I want to own a novelization of Batman and Robin? For one dollar on someone's lawn. Oh, I, I, I think I think I got that for, for 50 cents. That was definitely a 50 Hell cent yeah. book. Uh, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I got the high school music one, musical one for 10, 10 cents. <laughs> I thought you were going to say $10. I was like, holy shit, money no, bags. No, I, I would not. I, I, I argue <laughs> that whether or not I should spend $10 on food, I'm not going to spend yeah, right. $10 on a, uh, on a novelization of High School Musical. On nutrition you need in order to live, let alone a novelization of a High School Musical. <laughs> I will say, because then I promise we will start talking about the Marmoset Chronicles novelizations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the funniest novelization I own is actually Fame, because... Novelizing fame is the equivalent of laminating a paper towel. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it takes hey, Kirsten, away. That's gonna go in a museum of funniest things you've ever said. <laughs> that's really it, good. It, like, it takes away. It's like it's like here. Let's take this movie <laughs> whose only draw is the music and the dance, <laughs> and then novelize it. Yeah. Ah. Uh. God, that sorry, that really got me off guard. That was very funny. Well, I'm glad. Oh, it, it's it's so it's so pointless and bad and uh, yeah. But and, okay, so the Marmoset Chronicles novelizations walk an interesting line between all kind of all three of those things I just said. Mm-hmm. Um, the the two the two authors of this are um. Bradley McPhee is the first one, and the other one is Brenda Augustine. Okay, gotcha. Bradley gotcha. McPhee and Brenda Augustine. I am pretty sure at least one of those names is a pen name. Um, sure, yeah, or or both of them are, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but so it's like it's like two it's like two authors, both of whom are pseudonyms for three people each. So it's really six yes. people or some shit. It, all very possible. Um, <laughs> and so, so yes, the, the, the Marmoset Chronicles are kind of like a mix of all three of those, depending upon which one you read. Because my, my local fun. library had all eight. I sure. have read yeah. all eight novelizations. Um, Re- okay, okay. That's, that was something I was going to ask you, is how deep this rabbit hole, in fact, went for you. I did, I did read are... all of them. Um, I read all of them. Uh, I, I would say this is a pointless anecdote, but, uh, it, it isn't, because this is a personal retrospective, uh, because there was kind of <laughs> weird circumstances in which I read them, uh, sure, I read sure. them when I was in, like, late middle school, early high school, uh, because my mom taught a yoga class at our local library, uh, and when I, when she was doing that, uh, I, she would, she had to go, like, right from, because uh, I was doing some after-school activity, so she had to pick me up and then go right to, the librarian didn't have time to sure. send me home, so sure. I would sit in the, like, YA section, and I would do my homework, but then my homework would be done, and I would either have to, and I, I wanted to read something, but I didn't want to start a book, because then I'd have to take out the book, because I wouldn't finish it. So I would either read the very piecemeal comic slash manga they would have there, or I'd, read, like one of, or I'd read one of these books, because they're really, like, easy to zip through. 
Huh. One of the Marmoset Chronicles books or uh, book 13 of Bleach. Um, Which is it going to be today? See, the, 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 it was more like issue 57 of a bad X-Men story. I read a lot of, <laughs> I read a lot of very piecemeal bad X-Men. Oh, um, that's, that's how I got my entire comics exposure as a, as a teen was the random piecemeal comics my local library had. I am with you on that one. And I don't actually, I remember what the fucking manga I read was called, but it was, it was something Alice and it was because they, these, it was about like, like cute little middle schoolers who had like magical powers called Alice's, I think. Uh, huh. Listener, if anyone recognizes this, please prove to me it wasn't that, a fever dream. That sounds like I once used one brain cell to briefly pay attention to its existence, um, maybe. That sounds if anyone, yeah, familiar. so if anyone knows remembers what that is, uh please Alice's. let me know. Uh huh. but a mystery. But yeah, so I, I, I would just sit there and kinda like zip through them in one or two sittings because they're sure. very they're they're short and easy to read as are uh most novelizations, um honestly. Sure. Yeah yeah. Yeah, so so like I, I I'm really curious. So you know I, I I have a lot of thoughts on this kind of stuff. I have not read any of these. Okay. Um, and I'm really curious to hear you talk about them. So like I'm just gonna kind of ask you questions if that Go works. Go for it. Just I would so love it's, to, it's I would a, love to do that. I'm gonna interview about these books. Um, so like, you know, we've talked so much about these movies and like the way things other than direct character action factor into them, things mm-hmm. like mood and atmosphere in setting and set design and cinematography. You know, you mentioned yes. in and the mountain came to them as one, the looming nature of the mountain, like all, all these things that are, you know, just strange and there uh-huh. rather than strange and being commented on by the characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. How do the books handle those kinds of things um. that are just like, do you know what I mean? The, yes. the things yeah, that are like kind of informing that, that, the atmosphere rather than the, the stuff plot, that is so unique to the medium of film, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah. That's where they kind of fall apart. Uh, the a lot of times they'll just kind of state that they're there, hmm. like in in and the mountain came to them. They'll, they'll just like every couple like you know as the scene moves on, they'll just say and also like you know they step back and the mountain was still there, um, <laughs> or. Um, and I think I think they were going for something artsier than they kind of got. Well, of course they were. They're trying to novelize Las Patillo. Yes. Like, that- can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if someone tried to do a novelization of like a David Lynch movie or some shit? Like, uh, it would be the same thing as that. Like. So, Try, trying to novelize Brazil and write about the scene where he dreams that he has wings and is fighting a samurai made of concrete. Like, what the fuck? How do you do that? I don't know, and I don't think uh, McPhee and Augustine really knew either, because that's mm. really where these movies fall short. Um, where the books fall like, short, like, you mean? What? Where these books fall yeah, short? Yeah, where the mean? books fall short. Uh, <laughs> this, is where, this is where the books kind of, like, lose themselves a bit. Because yeah. they have, like... It, it was It's very kind of... And this is where this is where it kind of inches into the hilariously bad territories and obstacle core. Where they'll be, like... It, it, there's lines like, Georgie stepped back and shielded his eyes from the sun. He could see the, the dancers spinning on the rooftops. Hmm. He looked past them and took in the time of day. <laughs> uh, 
And so that kind of just statement that it's there is yeah. probably, that's where it's like mediocre, bordering on bad. It's weird. Like, I, I, I don't know what else I would have wanted them to do is the thing. Like, as you're saying that, I'm like, okay, that seems like what if... If somehow I were to wind up novelizing one of these films, that's probably how I would have done that too. But it's like, it's it's just such a strange thing to try and try and adapt. You know, it's one thing if you're making the novelization of like Iron Man or whatever, yeah. like like or, uh, something that's a lot simpler in terms of how it's constructed. But Pacific like, Rim, let's say, Pac- yeah, because because Iron Man you have source materials, but something like Pacific Rim. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's a good that's a good one. Pacific Rim, like even a Mad Max, there's a lot of visual stuff there, but you could do that with a Mad Max. You could do that with a John Wick, you could do that with a Mission Impossible. But like there's something about how much of the exclusively film medium things in the Marmoset Chronicles mm-hmm. like the Marmoset Chronicles could never have been anything other than movies. Yes. And th- it sounds like this is a really good proof of that. Yes. Uh, the the one thing I will say that these books do really good and uh, do really good, do really well. Um, I had just English teachered myself. Hmm. <laughs> That's okay. I need to give myself Engli- a moment to accept that this is my life now. You're literally about to go to grad school for this. You, you gotta accept it sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that these books do well and where they start to like end up in that third category of good novelizations is that Augustina McPhee kind of add some internal dialogue to Georgie. Huh. And you know how you said like that 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 the um the reason that you're a little bit iffy on the end of uh the plot the paper and the place we end up is because yeah. like you feel like that that like catharsis or not catharsis wasn't really earned yeah kind of yeah this really kind of solidifies a lot of this internal turmoil that you can imagine georgie having and it makes huh. it like so you're not Im- imagining it did you feel like the way it manifests that was more or less in line with how you had interpreted those things from the movies? Yes, because basically what they do is that they take stuff that you're kind of supposed to get from the visual symbols and they just kind of write it out in Georgie's thoughts. Okay. There's a couple weird things. Uh, Like, for some reason, they decided to make... After the after the uh, fourth movie, after the fourth movie slash book. Georgie is just... And in the ones beforehand, too, Georgie's constantly thinking about the woman who he was briefly with in movie four. Huh. That's super interesting, actually. Yeah, it's way more of a thing. Does that... Do they, like, tie that... Do they use that as a thing that drives decisions he makes in the later books? Not it, it. It's really made it. It they. He just brings it up all the time. It's God. That character's name is Laura, right? It's such a nothing of a movie. I always forget this fucking character's name. It's really more like something that he keeps revisiting from his past, and just he just thinks about her all the time at like weird, inopportune moments, where it's like he'll be like like when when he's sitting in in like the di- one of the diner scenes. 
the the many diner scenes in this movie. That's another thing we could talk about. We could just break down every diner scene in the Marvel Chronicles. <laughs> God, that's a good idea. It was Laura, by the way. Yes. Laura, that's what I thought. Yep. Um, yep. um <laughs> and he'll be like looking, like stirring his coffee, and like they'll add this thought where he's where he's like, it's unbelievable that I still remember how Laura takes her coffee, and, and it just it's stuff like that. Like he just brings her up all the time, and. Just always like very throwaway things like that, but just this idea that this is this is a woman he's thinking about a whole lot more, and huh. you know, is definitely kind kind of odd. And I do wonder if that's a liberty they took, or if they had access to scripts or notes or something. That that's genuinely fascinating to me. Like, I mean, God, if, if there was some. Think about what that would do for the perception of that movie if there were more evidence of that happening in the original movies, of yes. that character leaving that much more of a, a yeah. recognizable impact. Like, all right, let me ask you this, I guess, and I don't okay. know if this is fair, like, and I don't know if you ever, like, sat down and watched them this way. I might now, because I've never really thought about this until right now. Have you watched the later movies after the fourth movie since reading that and, like, ever tried to discern whether there's evidence of that having been an intention on Laz's part hmm. in those movies, knowing that that's in that novelization? A little bit. It's not something I've done, like, I've sat down and done consciously, but now that you're, right. like, describing it, a little bit, yes. Where you, because, you know, you can find moment like, where the moments line up, and you're like, hmm, theoretically he's thinking about Laura here. And uh, oh, this was this was an interesting one in one of the ones I own. Um, he, you know that that one scene like right after the uh, the it's after the basement stuff where he um, where he ends up in the attic again and he's like looking out the window and it's that really incredible low angle shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the uh, in the novelization, that's one of the that's one of the moments he's like thinking about Laura. Huh. All right. Uh, and I'm not entirely sure how I think of what I think about that. I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I don't know if I do either. But it is really interesting but it's an to interesting me. Choice for sure. Yeah. Um. I. I. I'm. I'm always a fan of like less stuff being motivated by romance because yeah. I, no. I, 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 I think it gets boring. But um, it's 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 a it was a weird, very weird choice. There's, I I believe one of them. Which one is it? Uh, I can't believe how hard I have to. I'm trying to like. I should have re like tracked down and reread these books, but my library isn't open right now, and I wasn't about to right. buy them on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. The one one um book that does something like super interesting is in the in Logica. Uh -huh. We see that that movie is told through Jean's point of view. Mm -hmm. Really. Yes. The novelization is. Yes. Huh. It, that's, that's an actual, like, artistic choice right yes. there. Okay. It is, and I, I do think, I do think Logic is one of the best ones. Huh. Because it's, it's like a, um, it's like a close third person narration and it's close to Gene. Huh, so, that's fascinating, actually. Remember how, like, when we were talking about this movie and we mentioned, like, oh, it'd be really, like, we wish that, like, they had really developed to Gene's possibility of being the middleman between yeah. Georgie and Margot? This kind of yeah. does that. Huh, okay. The, how so? Does it have him take more agency than the movie does? Or is it just in his thoughts that No, he you just that? kind of hear him thinking more. All right. 
And you kind of see his, like, reasoning for not kind of stepping up and, you know, being as aggressive as Georgie is the whole movie. Huh. Um, and that, so, one's, that one's interesting. And that's the only one that Gene is in that does that from Gene's perspective? Yes, it's just that one. Wow. What, what an actually interesting... That's the kind of thing that, like, you usually only see in spin-off materials, you know? Yes. And, like, here's a uh, a Star Wars spin-off novel about, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, or here's a, you know, uh, 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 spin-off... What's literally any other yeah, IP, Jay? Come on, use your brain. Uh, yeah, yeah, Halo. A, sure. Yeah, here, yeah, actually, here's a spin-off Halo thing about, like... I don't know what it's like being Cortana or whatever. Yeah, that's, like, that, that's, that's usually the, that's just hologram. a spinoff. Thing. That's the hologram yes. lady, right? That's that's the unfortunately sexy hologram. Yep. What? All I she's like, she's like she's like got she's like she's like a shapely woman. That's a hologram all, that helps you. All I know, all I know about Halo is that it apparently has incredibly deep lore, and that there is oh, yeah. there that holographic woman is important to the plot. It, it's had two ARGs. Wow. Argonauts has covered them both. They're really good. All right. Going, go, moving away from my, uh, from my lack of knowledge about video games. Um, yeah. But no, but, it, and it, it's a very bold decision to do that in a novelization and not a spinoff. Yeah. Um, especially because like, even spinoffs, it's usually it's usually not okay. This. This. Right. Um, event through this character's eyes, like like you said, yeah. like a like a spinoff of Star Wars where you focus on Obi Wan isn't necessarily like here's this thing in that that's already in one of the Star Wars things, but it's from his point of view. That's usually not how it happens unless he was mm. off doing something else. You don't usually side note. Yes. I, I have I have I have long held that the prequels would be so much better movies if they were exactly that, if they were told more directly and exclusively from Obi Wan's perspective. Anyway, please continue. I'd agree with that. I also just like that character a lot. He's great. Oh, he's he's the best character in the uh, prequels by a mile. I I I and I say that and like I I'm hesitating saying that because I'm so afraid of the Star Wars fandom. Um, yeah, everyone who's watched Clone Wars is gonna be like, actually, let me tell you about Plo Koon. That's fine. No, I that's I I don't care if someone's like, let me tell you about why this other character is also great. Like, I love hearing about why other characters sure, are great. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. afraid that someone's gonna like yell at me for liking this character. Yeah. I, I should clarify. I also think it's totally fine if you want to tell anyone that a character is great. Don't yell at Kirsten about Obi Wan, please. Thanks. <laughs> I will. Uh, all right, everyone. Let's form a protective. Li- link your arms. We're gonna pro- form a protective fence around Kirsten. Protect. No, getting yelled at for liking Obi Wan. Pr- protect. A pretty universally liked Star character. Wars fans. Anyway. Uh, anyway. I, we, talk, we talk so much shit about Star Wars fans on this show. Yeah, and you don't I, even care about Star Wars. I, no, I, I'm so like I, I do feel like now I feel like I need to clarify. I have no like actual ill will towards Star Wars fans. I have Me no neither. ill will. Towards Towards sort of. Star Wars, I like Star Wars. Like, okay, I, I, there there are Star Wars fans who forced uh, Kelly Marie Tran from the new movies to delete her Instagram because they kept uh, trying to dox her and ruin her life. So maybe be mean to those fans. But but no, as a they're just unfortunately like it's been around for so long and it has such a reputation that it's a really good uh, um, it's a really good like example of kind of weird rabid fan bases. 
yeah. which is not all, every Star Wars fan at all, but not um, at all. There's also all right, all right. We got we got to write this shift, Kirsten. Come on, we got to write this shift. <laughs> every uh, time we talk about Star Wars, we just fucking ruin ourselves. And also, um. Okay, and so also, I, 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 we bring it up all the time because it's very like it, it's really easy. Fucking they, the, the two directors had a screaming argument on the red carpet. Yeah. they're connected. I promise. That's um, valid. Okay, let, let me. So here's here. You mentioned this earlier. Okay. I wonder, and I always wonder this with this kind of thing. Do you think there is a chance from having read all of them mm-hmm. that these authors did have like access to the? I mean, they, like. When you write a novelization, do you get given the script to the movie you're novelizing? Perhaps. Like, I, I, I wonder if the they script. did get extra director's notes or anything else when going about this. I imagine they got the notes, because I can't imagine they said, do this, and then, like, when you need the dialogue, watch the movie 500 times. Especially, <sighs> right. like, in a time before, you know, you could just click where you wanted to, and you had to manually re- yeah. rewind and fast forward. Um, God. I, I do imagine they had access to the script. Um, do Transcribe I think this entire movie. Uh, they had access to director's notes? I think it changes from movie to movie. Because huh, okay. for the really bad ones, I don't think they did. Uh, <laughs> Fair. The, the worst novelization is the last one. Really? Okay. Which, you know, makes sense when you think about it. How the fuck do you novelize that movie? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they try to kind of, like, hyper-explain the ending but, like, not in a way that actually explains it. Like, they try to, like, do some, like, Cormac McCarthy shit. Okay. Uh, this answers another question I had. Okay. Um, but it, and it, and it doesn't work very well. And mm-hmm. so I feel like for that, they didn't have notes. I feel like for some of the other ones, maybe it's hard to tell because Laz Patillo is such a weirdo. Sure. <laughs> Fucking a little bit. That, that answers another question I, I had, though, which was, like, you know, we've talked about how getting more into Georgie's head mm-hmm. is added context that the movies don't give you that maybe in some points is interesting and mm-hmm. worthwhile. And I was going to ask you, where do these books add context that the movies don't that feels needless and unnecessary and like it detracts from things? Oh, and it sounds like the end of the last one is definitely a shining example. The end of the last one, a lot of the third one... Diagnosis Aquamarine does not work as a novelization. It's not as bad as the last one, but it's not good. Uh, it really yeah. I don't think I could ever bring myself to. I, that's the thing I'm realizing is I don't think I could ever bring myself to read a novelization of a movie I really love. Well, the the the, the problem with uh, with di- the 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 Diagnosis Aquamarine book is that so much of what keeps that movie like grounded and emotional is in like the fact that no one's really talking or explaining what they're thinking and that you have to get it all from body language and shots. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But in that, the, in this one, it's a lot of like writing out those thoughts and they add a bunch of dialogue and the oh. dialogue is straight out of a, of a soap opera and I really wouldn't recommend it. Does it try to get more explicit about whether Georgie's dad is a vampire or not? No, they keep that, they keep that Thank pretty, God. um... That, that's Most the, important lore in the whole series right there, clearly. They, they do, they keep that, uh, they, they keep that as, like, it, it, pretty you know, up in the air, but uh-huh. no, just a lot of like the, they had a lot of dialogue between Georgie and his mother. That's just not super. It feels like the first draft of dialogue. 
Uh-huh. It feels like what you write when you, you're like, okay, th- these are like my notes for myself for what needs to be conveyed, and then I'll go back and like remember that subtlety exists in draft two. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I, I just, I, I think about my favorite scene from the movie, which is that, that one of uh, his mom standing in a room seeming to be talking to someone uh-huh. as she's venting everything, and then someone enters the room and you realize she's been talking to herself. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the beautiful, delicate artistry of, like, every centimeter of how the camera's angled and yep. everything about that, like removing the visual side of what makes you think you understand what you're watching and then you are told that you don't, like, how the fuck do you replicate that in just text? Like, Badly. I, I, oh, boy. I, I don't, like, like, that's the thing, is, you know, you're a writer, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. I think, I think anyone who writes fiction visualizes what it is they're writing. Like, or, you know, a lot of the time, like, like, I'll I'll visualize scenes sometimes very cinematically if I if I'm writing fiction that you know has something cinematic to it I'll I'll, I'll picture it almost as if it is shot like a movie sometimes not always but like sometimes that'll how it, it'll come to me I I would not know if I like how the fuck do you do that like I I, I like to think I'm an all right fiction writer I have no the fuck idea how I would go about transcribing that kind of scene into an exclusively text-based format. So, I think there's ways you can do it. Um, sure, yeah. I think that... Oh, let me be clear. I'm a dumbass. There's definitely well, ways you can do it. Well, and, and I'm not... I'm not, call, uh, I'm, I don't, I'm not calling you a dumbass, Jay. I, I know, I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I'm, I'm 200% kidding. Um, but I, I think the way that you do it uh, is perhaps a little bit beyond what these novelizations were, like, there for. Sure. Um, well, you, you say that, and yet they took as bold a step as the gene thing okay. in Logic. Like, I, I almost question that because it sounds like there's points where these two people did take things a little further. But uh, there's a difference, I think, between sort of reimagining a lens and doing that kind of, like... High concept fiction writing. Yeah, no, I I see what you mean. I, I guess I guess I'm just thinking that I feel like they come from a similar level of ambition. And That's it's, fair. It, it's maybe maybe they did have the same level of ambition for both, but for for the scene in Diagnosis Marine, they just couldn't make that yeah. ambition form a finished thing. Or I, and that's, I don't, that's totally you know. That happens. And I have no idea what their timeline was for any of these books. That's yeah, that's um, extremely fair as well. Maybe maybe they had like six months left to novelize Diagnosis Aquamarine than they had to um, novelize Logica. Um, mm. Yeah, I, who knows? Uh, I you know deadlines and publishers and uh, movie studios can all really suck uh, if you're if you're working for them. Uh, yes, they can. can. You tell <laughs> that I was furloughed from a shitty publisher. <laughs> yeah, Kirsten Kirsten used to work in publishing and got furloughed and I have been radicalized from wanting to get a book published by a major publisher to actively looking into how to independently publish my I, fiction exclusively on obscure internet blogs. I have so many thoughts about the publishing industry which I will not share with anyone here because A Patreon extra not really. Because A that that's not what the people listening want to hear about. Uh and B what if my job finds this? Um, 
What if my ex job? Your, your job that that fired you? You mean that one? Yes. Your job that that dished you? Yeah, the the job that. Uh, Hey, they apparently, they're still having calls for people asking for me by name. Um, <laughs> That's so, hilarious. Uh, they're uh, lost, You're the one bye-bye. person holding it together, Kirsten. You're the one person. God um, damn. All right, I, I have a question for you. Did you. Do you know offhand, were, did these books come out while, as the movies were coming out? Or did this start after the movies were over? I only ask because, like, um, I don't know when novelizations became a thing, I'm realizing. I know by the eighties they were. Look this up. Okay. Hold on as I as I ask the information superhighway. Uh, okay, so it started uh they started coming out in uh nineteen eighty. The same year that was that when is that Logica or when the mountain came to them? I don't remember. I think it's, in, uh, it's what it, year? they they started coming out the same year and the mountain came to them came out. Okay, okay. That makes sense. I was, I was, that, that's I have no further thoughts upon that question. I was just curious. Because, you know, that, that might influence that question of, mm-hmm. you know, how strict is a publisher's deadline for something, for, for a novelization of a book that's, of a movie that's just coming out, yeah. versus one that came out several years ago. Yes. And, uh, I guess, like, I, I, I will applaud them, because, you know, these two people obviously put something in these, and they're not just cheap yeah. cash grabs, which are a lot of novelizations, I think. Um, yeah. And they, they're just... But those little changes are so interesting, and uh, I know you said that you had some more thoughts about, like, novelizations as concepts. Do you want to talk kind about of. that a little bit? A little bit. So, like, it's not even about specifically... It, it's kind of jumping off of novelizations, and we don't need to, you know, we, we're already 45 minutes deep. We don't need to get super into this. I told you before I haven't read a lot of novelizations. Uh-huh. That's true. What I have actually read a lot of is novels that are, like, expanded universe fiction based on... An existing okay. other thing. Talking about Star Wars, I ate the Star Wars New Jedi Order books okay. as a uh, kid and a young teen. I loved those fucking things to pieces. Do you still love them? Yeah, actually. I, I They've got problems. Uh, they've, I've got some criticisms of some characters in them. I've got some criticisms of some story beats. Overall, I think I prefer them to the, the sequel trilogy in okay. terms of just being interesting ideas about where that universe would go from there. Okay. Um... And, you know, that there are some main writers who wrote them, that Timothy Zahn is a big name for that whole series, mm-hmm. and for the entire Star Wars expanded canon. Um, but, you know, there were a bunch of writers. Like, this was a series of probably 30 books, because there was a lot of shit that happened in these. And there, you know, there, there are several authors. I have no idea how they went about, like, coordinating the fiction, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, or if, if they even did, or if it just came down to one person writes a book, everyone reads that book and goes, ah, oh, goddammit, you came up with that plot twist? Fuck, who's next? Now they have to deal with this, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that went. I have always found that completely fascinating. Or even on the, um, the Marmoset Chronicles, those comics that we talked about yeah. a while back that are, like, mostly inspired by Obstacle Corps. Yeah. Um... The, you know, those are just, like, other stories about adventures Georgie might have gotten into. They don't really totally make sense with what mm-hmm. the whole of the series winds up being, but they're just kind of, like, interesting supplements that are, you know, not in the main canon, but they're but they're, they're in fun. the canon of whoever caught th- thought them up, you know? Yeah. I, I, I like that a lot. I... I... See, I, I also think that that's interesting. I have not read a lot of, like media that expands things that already exist. I, I, or at least not, I think, as extensively as you have. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I've, I've read some like like uh, they made a John Wick comic. I've read sure. I've read some of that. That's Co- comics are in general a good space for that yes. kind of thing. I think. Um, I I've some other stuff. I but but not nearly as much as you. I don't think I've I've never read a Star Wars just from Star Wars book. alone. I I think I've I've spent a lot more of my life absorbing ancillary non-canon Star Wars media specifically <laughs> than watching the Star Wars movies. That's fair. And I think that's valid. Um, Like, ge- genuinely, I think that's a really valid way to consume media because, y- you know, part of the appeal of Star Wars, and here we are talking about fucking Star Wars again. Part of the appeal of Star Wars happening. is that it's a giant, big old universe and there's a hundred yeah. million stories in it and um, you can just kind of jump in. And the thing Canon is, is, is fake, I think, you know? There's there's there there's a, a point here that I can't quite grasp that you know novelizations are still going strong, but that mm. kind of extended universe work has died down a lot. It, it's well to continue on the Star Wars example for just a moment. Apologies to Mr. George Lucas. Uh like they still happen, but are a little more corporately self-aware. I guess like now. The Star Wars, not ever since Disney bought Star Wars, there are still new Star Wars novels that come out and comics. Um, all the old ones before that are no longer considered canon. They're sort of considered myths or whatever the fuck. Canon's fake. But all the ones that are coming out since Disney bought Star Wars are all specifically, like, you know, they're not going to get. Re- the next Star Wars movie probably isn't going to reference page 250 of Star Wars Empire Aftermath, but they are all, like, accepted as quote-unquote canon by Disney and Star Wars. And so, like, you'll never see anything in those again, ever again, that contradicts, at least probably not, that contradicts what's happening in movies from now on, from the games from now on, from the TV shows like Clone Wars and The Mandalorian from now on. Like, they've... That ancillary material has been synced up, maybe to its detriment. Like that, I I think the original Star Wars novels, the New Jedi Order, and there's a bunch of others, the Thrawn trilogy, all these older older Star Wars stories, and even um, there were really good Star Wars radio dramas back in the day that you can like find there cassettes were? of. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's some really good ones. Um, there was one about a young Han Solo, which you know. Like, obviously, with the Han Solo movie, that's not canon anymore. But it was, like, about him and, like, him being young and joining the Empire. And then, like, leaving it and saving Chewbacca. And getting uh, caught up in Jabba the Hutt's crime world. And, like, it was really fascinating. I, I think, maybe just from, like, an artistic integrity perspective, that stuff benefits from not being official canon. I think those books were allowed to be what they were uh-huh. because they were not part of an official canon that people in a corporate office somewhere in California were dictating. Well, uh, this is my this is when I um uh I need to like state that Disney's evil. Uh Yeah, Disney d- fucking deeply sucks. and completely evil and uh I go out of my way to not support them. That is my yeah. uh one like kind of um uh sign-waving hippie thing that I will stick to forever is that Disney is pure evil. God bless you for it. And so, I guess... I'm going to stick on Star Wars for one second because there's a really good example here that I think helps me make the last point I want to talk about as we wrap up. Yeah, please. So, Rogue One. 
Mm-hmm. I'm aware of it. Yes. You, you have you seen that movie? Uh, I have. I when I first saw it, I really liked it, and since then, I have just kind of found it bland. I, I I think it has really nicely directed action, and that's kind of all it has. I think that movie is barely okay. I think some really good action scenes and uh, some really solid set and costume designs make that movie watchable. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it is the most bizarrely paced story I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life, and <laughs> that's that, that's fair. And that the two main characters are about 15 minutes of backstory and character development away from being interesting, but the movie decides to do Star Wars pandering instead of developing them. Yeah. This is, I, I, so I, I think that, I, I, I think that movie's barely okay. I've mm. told people this opinion before, um, and they've told me, oh yes, no, you're totally right, but that's because you need to read the prequel books which set up these two characters as much deeper and more complex people. Um, To which I say, that's great, but that doesn't really mean anything in the context of this movie. I don't want... Yeah, that's not a supporting argument for the movie. That's that's a supporting argument against the movie. But, but, I guess, so I'm going to use that as kind of a bouncing off point to like, so do novelizations that make movies better actually make the movies better. Is Logica a little bit less... Because you know, we, we've talked about Logica's flaws and the like weird one-sided argument that Laz Patillo has with himself in it. Is yes. Logica better because this book exists where we see Gene's point of view? I would argue... So, in the, exa- in the Star Wars example you gave there, the difference, of course, is that those books which were, you know, presumably written after Disney bought it, were written with the intention of giving additional care. Like, those that, that was written knowing the movie was going to happen and intending to give additional information on those characters. Whereas, whereas the logical novelization was probably kind of written in a vacuum. Well, but, or I, I, okay, I would, I guess, I, I would, I guess, say, I think... Hmm, I, I think maybe the logic of book, at the very least, is a better book for being in a further extension mm-hmm. and exploration of what the movie is. I, I think the logic of novelization sounds like a far more successful novelization than most movie novelizations for exploring what the movie does in that new dimension. Or, um, I suppose, uh, I guess a better, another better example would be, like, if, um, and again, I haven't read them, if the, uh, like, the Revenge of the Sith novelization, like, Mm -hmm. is really good and answers a bunch of questions that the movie maybe doesn't necessarily answer. Does that make that movie better? Does, so does this, does, does... Do we, when judging the movie, do we judge these things that are, you know, quote-unquote real, but we just don't see them in the movie, we see them in the book? I think I'm kind of answering my question, and I think I think it's no. Yeah, I also think it's no, but I all, like, so I, I think no. The source material is the source material. Anything that has come after that and been a product of it is after it and a product of it. You can't wash that away. But, and, I also think, you know, kind uh, what's the word? not recursively, you know, like sort of along that timeline, that subsequent text can be made 
its maximum by the fact that it is a subsequent text. Like okay, did you, the, no, that was a we, very that I, was a very apt statement. Like something can be yeah. something can be the best version of itself because it's built off of something that already exists. Exactly. Um, I I I talked at you a bunch of episodes back about the Evangelion rebuild movies. Um, which are, which were like... We're just hitting all of our greatest hits today. We talked about Star Wars. That's all we do every episode, Kirsten! This entire podcast is the same episode over. We are in a time hole! The promo (laughs) was right! So, Evangelion. Ugh. Yeah, so, so, well, no, the the rebuild movies. Yes, yes. Um, are specifically the director of the show and his protege directing movies that start out as a kind of, like, you know... 15 years later, re-energized, re-imagined visual take on the show. Mm -hmm. But then over time, things start changing and going differently, and all this stuff starts changing that's that's not quite right. Recently, the video game Final Fantasy VII, the remake, is kind of also one of these. Those are both pieces of media that start out as remakes of existing pieces of media, or, you know, altered storytelling forms, Mm -hmm. much like a novelization is to a movie, that then go off and do their own thing with that source material. Okay. I think you can make a really special other adaptation of a source material if you are conscious of what you're doing, which is what it sounds like is what happened with Logica and is, you know, what happened with that Evangelion example. Uh-huh. And I, I think, I, I would argue for that more than I would argue for that subsequent media making the original thing better. Okay, I like that a lot, actually. I think that's a really, really apt point to kind of... yeah. Wrap us up on. But but also, also, you know, canon's fake, and you're allowed to like whatever you like. That's totally fair. Uh, and I will... I, I'm gonna leave you with... Uh, I think I might have just come up with a cursed idea, and I'm gonna, oh, I'm good, gonna present please. it with, to you, and then we're gonna end the show. Sure. The Marmoset Chronicles. Reimagined. As a video game. You know, all right, so, no, I don't let, do I like that? No, I don't let, mm, do I let, mm, mm. So I, thank you, dear I, listeners, for listening to us this week. Ah, uh, do I like that or not? We Fuck. we are, as always, on the Art and Orange Grove Podcast Network, and we, uh, thank you so much for having us. Um, as always, um, we appreciate you. Check out the other shows there. They're all really fantastic. Uh, I feel like we mention Argonauts, like, every two weeks. Um... <laughs> Oh no! Actually, hold on. If we're, if we're doing that, um, actually, I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned the Evangelion rebuilds. Uh, Nervous Rex, the Evangelion podcast that Joe and Chris do, is about to start doing the rebuild movies. Uh, they're going to do three episodes on those three movies starting um, next week, as of when this comes out. And the first one will be guest starring me. So uh, if you want to hear me talk more about those movies, I, I legitimately didn't even think about that when I brought it up before. Yeah, but here so... we are. Um, if you want to hear my thoughts on Evangelion 1.0, you cannot advance. You can go and do that. Um, and thank you as always for listening. Uh, take care of yourself and <laughs> each other and Ki- your community and the communities that need help. Hold uh, on. K- Kirsten, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, I forgot that we do usually do that before <laughs> the other thing. Can you switch these two around or are you just going to leave this No, in? it's funnier this way. I'm going to leave uh, all this in. Great. Uh, hi. You, uh, you, you cursed me, me and so now I'm cursing the, en- the you, ending. You can find me on Twitter at Kirsten uh, M. Wrights. You can you refer some random screams into the void. You can find me on 
Instagram at uh, Kirsten Meehan writes, where you, you, you probably see more of my weird book collection on Instagram, because uh, that's kind of what I do, that and poetry. Uh, so come hang out. Uh, I love making new friends. How about you, Jay? Where can they find you on the internet? Well, you can find me having an existential breakdown about whether or not I like the idea of a Marmoset Chronicles video adaptation, video, video game? game adaptation, excuse me, words hard, at Extreme Salsing on Twitter. That right there was proof that Kirsten was born to be an English teacher, as we discussed earlier in the program. Uh, you can also find me on Letterboxd at Extreme Salsing and YouTube at Hi, I'm Jay. Thank you. Bye, guys. Do I like it or not, though? I don't know. <laughs>